Hey, everybody. It's me. It's Jake. Um, this is episode... Oh, Jesus. I can't believe I forgot what number it is again. I think it's 166, Route 66, 166. I think that's it. But who, you know, I care. I'm not going to say who cares, because it's me. I care. I hope you care. I hope you care. I hope you've cherished all 166 of these episodes. I, I don't blame you if you haven't listened to them all. Uh, it's a lot of work. It was a lot of work talking them, and it's got to be a lot of work listening to them. Or hope, hopefully pleasure. Hopefully, you're, and you're also getting fit. Don't forget that. You're on your treadmill, you're cranking it up, you're, you're doing your thing, and you're making it happen. You're making yourself a better person, and I'm just helping you to get through some of the time when, when you're doing that, or maybe when you're not doing that. Maybe you're just lying in your bed going, God, I'm just going to just, I need to stop doing everything and just listen to people talk for a minute. So, I'm here for you. Thank you. Hey, guess what? I am getting ready. It's coming down to the wire, this trip to Australia. I'm going to be down there from, I think I arrive, I land in Melbourne on March 16th, and I'm going to start doing shows as soon as my friend Adam Hills, last week's guest, and my producer, helper, friend, um, is uh, is helping me set up some shows. And then I'm going to be doing my festival gigs there at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. You can check out that schedule. You can link to it from my website, jakethis.com, or you can check the Melbourne Comedy Festival website. I'm going to be there almost all of April, and then the last uh, few nights of my stay in Australia, I'm going to be doing some shows in Adelaide. If you're listening in Australia, and God bless you if you are, uh, I'm coming to Adelaide also, so you don't have to go to Melbourne. Or if you're flying to Australia, but you're just like, Melbourne, who wants to go there? Adelaide's where it's at. I'm going to Adelaide. So let's 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 have some fun. Let's get together for some fun. So I've been trying to get ready. Uh, I'm in Detroit, uh, Michigan right now, where they just had the Republican debate last night, which I didn't watch because I had my own comedy show to do. I'm doing comedy shows too, Republican candidates, and uh, mine. Uh, I admit that mine are supposed to be funny ahead of time, unlike you guys who are, <laughs> are putting on a great show, but you want to act like it's some serious political debate. Ugh. All right. Um, as part of my preparation, you know, I'm doing my shows, getting ready to go to Australia, making my lists of comedy bits to do and trying to figure out how do you walk on stage in Australia, talk to the people who are there, say hello, make yourself feel welcome, explain our presidential election. Because if you're not listening in Australia, I just want to explain now to the American listeners, uh, look, the rest of the world is watching this political election trying to figure out, like, what the hell is going on the most powerful country in the world and these are their choices for president that's how i feel about it not and i'm not just look i'm not talking about just republicans i'm saying our democratic choices are look when it's going to be one of these people that's what i'm trying to say america and the world we are going to pick a president from one of these choices one of these it looks like it looks like right now it's it's you know in the broadest sense of crazy possibilities five choices right you got your donald trump we all know that guy reality show host extraordinaire you got ted cruz also comedic it's just he's just outmatched by trump in terms of comedy this year and then marco rubio who comes off looking like the same it's like the same one of the three stooges like which one do you let drive the car it's a toughie um and then the democrats you got uh, hillary clinton uh, look she's a lady that could be our first lady president is this older lady political tool um, and wife of a, another president, which is that sort of undercuts the first lady president thing. Like, really, she's the wife of an ex or a president? I, you know, okay, I don't want to get all ladies mad at me. 
I can deal with some ladies mad at me because I'm married, so but not all of them. I don't want them all mad at me. And then you got cranky old socialist man, Bernie Sanders, who, uh, you know, uh, look, truth be told, I would love it if we had health care for everybody um, like they do in terrible Britain and Canada and Australia and New Zealand, those countries that, whoa, can you believe if we had to live there with their free health care for everybody? That's what they're telling us in America. But look, I think it would be awesome if we had that. Um, I'm, I'm not so crazy about giving him all, all the rest of my money for whatever else he's got planned. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be a choice between who knows what the choice is, but it's going to be one of those five. It's going to be one of those five for our president. So guess what, America? I'm flying to another country and I've got to try and explain that to them because I'm the only American that they're going to it's not the only one. There's other Americans down there. But believe me, when you show up and there's not that many Americans, they got questions and they want some answers like what the hell are you morons doing? And it's like, look, we're not all morons, but we're not all doing stuff either. A lot of us have jobs. We're not even voting. A lot of us have jobs and we're not even voting. That's how great it is in America. We're about to elect one of these five jugheads president, and uh, we can't be bothered, a lot of us, to even vote because we're so busy with our other things. And I know you're busy and you're anxious. Like, who's the guest? What's, is it just this dummy talking the whole time? Hey, I'm not a dummy. Why, should, why would you want to be so hard? Why are you listening to this if you think I'm a dummy? No, that was me. I was being hard on myself. You got to take it easy on yourself. You got to be be nice to yourself. That's let's try and do that this week. My guest this week is the great comedian Tom Rhodes, international comedian Tom Rhodes. Uh, years ago, he went overseas. He has hosted his own show in the Netherlands. Um, he has toured. He showed me a map in his house when I first got there to, to have this conversation of all the countries he's been to, and I have to say that. Over the last few years when I've had a chance to talk and hang out with him, I've been really jealous of, of how he's, he's spent these years touring. He's been, he was, for a long time, just had all his stuff in storage and was going from one place to another place. He's a really interesting guy, and he's got a great pod, podcast called Tom Rhodes Radio where he talks to comedians that he's met on the road all over the world, and it's very interesting. I, I listen to it a lot of times just to catch up on great comics that I know from other countries that I haven't seen in a long time because Tom's out there seeing him. He's out there doing those gigs. But now he's moved with his wife, Ashna, back here to the States, and he's got an apartment, and he's taking his stuff out of storage, and he's trying He's trying to live like the rest of us now. And when I say the rest of us, I mean the rest of us comedians. Not, not, we're not, we're not. We're not regular people. We're not normal. And I went over to his house to have this conversation because I said to him, I, I texted him and then talked and said, hey, would you come on the podcast? I'm going to do this Melbourne Comedy Festival. I know you've performed all over the world. I know you've done the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Would you come on and talk to me about Melbourne? And, uh, you know, as always, we talk about other things too. But uh, this was kind of by way of preparing myself to go to Melbourne for this comedy festival. I wanted to talk to a friend of mine who had been there. And so this is my conversation with Tom. So let's get on with it. I know what you're thinking. I can look, at, I can see the time, I can see the clock. There's a thing that tells me it's been seven minutes, all going on eight minutes of this. And who has time for that? So here we go. <laughs> So we're doing it. This is us doing it. This is us doing it. I think it started. I think it started. (laughs) I mean, I can decide that it started later than this afterwards if I want to. But I think it started now. So, Tom, 
so nice to be in your house in Los Angeles. Welcome to my home. Yeah, you live in a house now. Well, it's not an a, apartment. It's an apartment, yeah. but it's a house. We call it a home. I guess you're right, home. And you said you lived three blocks from here when you first came to Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, I live over. I lived over on. I shouldn't say the street name because you could get stalkers. Oh, I don't mind. I lived over on Sierra Bonita, um, and uh, Julia Sweeney lived in the apartment behind. I don't know if you remember her from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, but uh, that was before she was. You know, she had that going for her. Didn't so, she become like a huge Jesus freak? Uh I don't or was know. that no? That was Victoria um, Jackson. Jackson yeah. yeah, no, I think Julia Sweeney's a little more anti, or not so. Religious. She was more the feminist, yeah. uh, black power woman. I mean, you know, like well, rebel. she's a white lady. I know, but rebel. I meant, you know, I guess maybe she. she I was, identify with black power myself. So me too. I mean, we're all black <laughs> inside, is how I look at it. It's dark in there, man. But uh, yeah, the problem with black power now, though, is it seems like nobody. We're not wanted. We're not needed. It's like we're not black on the outside, and so we need to shut up, and let other people drive the bus, or tell Donald Trump. We should to have shut picked up. our own damn cotton, Jake. That's what it comes down to. Well, I don't think any of that cotton would have even <laughs> happened if it hadn't been for slavery. Well, that's the that's the thing is the whole United States is built on this wealth that we stole from from people. Yeah, you know, we stole their labor for free. And uh, yeah, you know, and the, not us. Not and us. the Chinese. I mean, even today, the social inequity is appalling. Was it ever thus, though? I mean, that, I, God, I can't believe I just said that that way. Thus? Yeah, ever Great. thus. Uh, that, that, you know, yeah, but historically... That gives me one hark. I can say hark once during this. Yeah. Well, hark on, <laughs> hark on this. Don't you, think, don't you think rich assholes have been putting the boot to the people underneath them kind of forever. Forever, yeah. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm down with it to stop. No, I just finished reading this book, A Criminal History of Mankind. And uh, it's, yeah, it's right over your head there. Um, <laughs> Literally, not figuratively. Uh, you know, it's since we, um, since we formed cities and civilization. That's when crime began, and that's when um, the exploitation of the, the weaker, uneducated peoples and... It's all about hierarchy and just crime through uh, through religious ideology, through um, you know uh, royal lineage, everything. So I mean, you know, long before we were born, we were fucked. <laughs> well, it's a death sentence. <laughs> Birth is a death sentence. But your people were Vikings, so you know. Yeah, we were into it. Do you watch that show Vikings? I mean, this is my new thing to tell people about if they haven't heard of it. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can watch. It's on some channel that everybody gets, but then you got to program a thing and watch when they think you should watch. Right. But if you got Amazon Prime, you can just watch Vikings. You can burn through three seasons, and it's great. The great thing about Vikings is they were badass fighters, and the thing was, we're going to go fight, and if we win. Awesome, that's what we're in it for. But if we die, just as good, because we're going to Valhalla. Well, and it's in the, it's in the, uh, the Vikings are in that criminal history of mankind. Uh, the Vikings and Genghis Khan were the only ones that knew to continue uh, expanding an empire and uh, have it flourish is you never settle down. You just keep fighting. Well, I listened to that. To, did, you, did you ever listen to Dan Carlin's... Uh, Hardcore History podcast. No, I haven't. I've I've, uh, I've heard of it. Well, you're 
I, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan's. I know you've been on his podcast. Yeah. I, I, I just barely know him, but I, he, I got turned on to Dan Carlin through his podcast and this hardcore history. He does this one about the cons and, and the, the it's called the wrath of the cons Star Trek pun. But, uh, he talks about that, how they would, they would take over a place, leave one of their guys in charge, you know, and then, and then those guys, the longer that they stayed in the place that they had just taken over, the more they get co-opted right. by Having that place. Sex, they're in a palace. Right. So they'd, he'd have to rotate them out and bring in some new tough guy asshole. Because otherwise you wind up with New Orleans, which is, the, you can't take over that place because if you stay there for a week, you're, you, they teach you a new way to live. <laughs> Yeah, there was a story about Genghis Khan. Some woman said, they're killing everybody in this town. And this old woman says, um, if you don't kill me, I'll um, tell you where uh, these valuable pearls are. And the guy says, okay, where are they? And she swallowed them. So they cut her open and took out the pearl. And then, so Genghis Khan said, cut them all open. Because they all might have pearls. They all might have pearls in them. Mm, that's smelly work. Yeah, it was pretty messy. And they probably only got like three pearls out of it. You know? And they, but yeah, in this Wrath of the Cons, he talks about they would take over a place and then kill everybody. So if you swallow a pearl, if your place city has been invaded, you know, just keep your mouth shut about it. Well, I don't think he can win with those guys because <laughs> they used to they used to get they'd surround the town and go, look, if you surrender and join us, we're not going to kill you. But when we get in, we're going to kill everybody. So whoever wants to surrender, okay. So some people would surrender and come out, and they go, great, you're on our side, but you're in front, attack. You know, yeah. you're dead anyway. Well, that's a, that, that is the thing that the, the, the Genghis Khan did, that he, um, he would have a buffer of all those people that you're talking about that, that had joined his, his conquest, and they were forced to fight with him. So there'd be like a few thousand of them up front. So whoever they're fighting had to go through them before they got to the, the Genghis Khan soldiers. So, you know, your arm gets pretty tired swinging a battle axe and everything. Yeah, man. The guy was uh, quite the tactician. He had some ideas, and I mean, I guess we have to say they were good ideas. They were successful ideas, but I don't want to live in a world like that. Do you want to be that guy? Do you, do you think you could deal with No, and um, uh, I've been to the Great Wall of China twice, and I was ripped off by a Mongol once. So, I mean, they built that wall to keep the Mongolians out. Didn't work. No. But what happened with you and your Mongol encounter? Uh, I bought some trinkets, and the woman wouldn't give me any change. How much do you feel like you got taken for? It was like 15 bucks, you know, no big deal. Just wouldn't, just like, I'm not giving you the chance. No, the video is on YouTube. I think it's on one of my Beijing. I heard you on the podcast. See, the thing I like about your podcast <laughs> is I have a few international friends, and you then go around and talk to all of them. So <laughs> you were talking to Des, Des Bishop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I think you saw him when he was in China. Doing yeah, when he was in Beijing. Um, that's brilliant that he moved there to learn Mandarin and perform. And I got to see him perform in Mandarin. And it was really funny. He's just such a quintessential comedian thing to do. I see him do this open mic night that he started uh -huh. in Beijing. And it's all Mandarin language, local uh, Beijing comedians. And... You know, he does, a, he does a decent little short set, and then we're, we're, we left, and he's like, oh, man, that didn't go very good. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? You just did your set in Mandarin. Cut yourself some slack. Oh, this joke didn't work. That one fell kind of flat. Like, every comedian does that. Like, you can have the greatest yeah. set in the world, and it's like, yeah, but the thing fell flat. 
I feel like those <clears throat> those international guys hold themselves to this standard that I can't even understand. Like if I went to a <laughs> Chinese open mic and I could order a beer, that would be a win <laughs> for me. You'd still be talking about but it. But this guy is like, yeah, I did a set and it wasn't, didn't go that good. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. Well, I'm just starting to do this international stuff a little bit after well, welcome my... welcome to the club. Yeah, well, it's fun. I like I like traveling around. I mean, I, th- I feel... You'd have to tell me, like, how do you think about it? Because to me, it's just like, I am happy to go to another place and try a thing that I've been doing forever on some people who don't know me and I don't know them. Well, you know, it's exciting to do comedy at every level. Um, you know, like when you start, <clears throat> it's like... Um, this exhilarating roller coaster ride. You're terrified, and then you get off, and you can't wait to get back on. Uh, and then it, I think at every level of being a comedian, it's it's still exciting, um, uh, even when it's bad shows because anything can happen. It's you know uh, a, a live uh, you know verbal assault or whatever you want to call it. Um, but multiply that by a, a, a million <clears throat> is. Um, to go to different countries and find out what works and wasn't, what doesn't work is an extra layer of, of titillating excitement for me. Um, and I love, because for, you know, for years I had everything in the storage and um, go from one city to another. So like, you know, what works in Dublin doesn't necessarily work in London. And then you go to Paris. And then so like when you're having to make these adjustments every week, is really really thrilling. I think that's one of the most um, one of my addictions is 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 standing in different countries and finding out what makes them laugh. See what I'm slightly I'm slightly apprehensive now to go to Melbourne. I mean I'm really excited to go down and do the shows and you know everybody is saying it's going to be terrific. But I had my first international forays, not counting Canada, <clears throat> which is a different country. Yeah, of course. Um, was this Kilkenny uh, Comedy Festival in Ireland. Where, But you go there as an American, and really as everybody there, does 20-minute sets. It's a real kind of buffet show. They have some guys who are doing their longer festival-type sets. Cakewalk. Yeah, but, but 20 minutes, it's pretty easy. And you're, you, you, usually they don't have the American first. They have some person that everybody's heard of there goes on third. Everybody does the same amount of time, but you're going up, and they're like, oh, this is a treat. We get to see this guy from another country. And then our... Our hero guy is going to come on and kill it. And so that was different from then going to London last summer and doing this. Oh, I did a week at the Soho Theater that was so great of them to have me. And that was going up. You know, you introduce yourself, you go out, you do an hour. That's the show. But then I also did sets at the Comedy Store and a few other little gigs around town that uh, our friend Rich Hall helped me out with. And those were super fun and familiar to me in terms of what I was used to and like you said cakewalk because there were 20 yeah, the Soho Theater I've, I've done twice is um, it's like a theater you know it's kind of like doing Edinburgh and it's just you for an hour and I mean it's uh, probably one of the nicest environments you're ever going to do stand-up comedy in and then you don't have some opening acts going on and fouling up the bathwater you know? well or on the other hand what, <laughs> I, what I found was, was tricky for me to get used to is that in a comedy show here where you're going on at the end of the night and you're doing an hour, you're doing the same amount of time that you're doing at the Soho Theater. 
but you've got the crowd is focused and warmed up and ready for you, and you can come up and kind of launch, do your thing. Well, you and I talked about this before you went over there because yeah. I told you in in England and Australia, they like the comedian to go out there and fuck around for like five minutes to warm to get warm up to their personality. Where yeah. you and I are similar. Uh, in that uh, we like to start hitting them with jokes. Because it's like, okay, I got an hour. I want as much funny in this hour as possible. Because I owe you that. Yeah. I feel like I owe you that. That's, that's why And I'm then, like, you do here. that in, in England or, or at some of these, f- some of these festivals, and then they're, uh, they're, they're just kind of shocked by that, that, you, you know. That's definitely what I felt at the Soho Theater, because I thought I was going out and saying hello a little bit at the beginning. And... and I wasn't super comfortable with the, like, they're not enjoying this me just talking to them. They're not laughing, you know, I'm not, but I feel like what they need to do is kind of watch you a little bit and be in the room with you, and it doesn't have to be super funny right away. I mean, obviously, if you're talking to the crowd, it's going to be funny or it's not, depending on what's going on. You take, it's a little bit of a risk. Yeah. Or, but it's not as much of a risk as it is here. If you, if you walk on stage here on a Friday late show where they don't know who you are and just go up saying hello and stuff. Eat your lunch. Yeah, it's like next, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're done. But it seems like what I'm hearing from you and other people in terms of Melbourne and, and London is they, they like a little bit of a, hi, how are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience in Melbourne. I did the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in the year 2000. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Uh, one of the happiest months I've ever experienced. Um, just from the flight over, <clears throat> I, I'm sure it's the same. You get, they give you the option when you do the Melbourne Festival. You can have two coach tickets, uh, economy class tickets on Qantas, or you can have one first class ticket. And I had never flown first class before. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I took the first class ticket. It was the first time I'd ever flown first class on Qantas all the way to Australia. I didn't want to get off the plane. Yeah, no. I enjoyed it so much. It's like such a great airline. And uh, just the lap of luxury. It was just so wonderful. Um, you know, the fact that I have not been invited back um, <laughs> is... Uh, is uh, is you know uh, is one thing, but l- let me just give you a heads up. Um, something you should know. You know, I was brought over by the festival. Some people with Susan Proven, and um, some people are, are. If you're not with the festival, I think you're not treated as well, or or whatever. But uh, yeah, I I'm under Adam Hill's umbrella. He's producing. Oh the yeah, show. Adam is a. But um, <clears throat> but I'm still. I think to the casual observer... Adam will be Prime think, Minister one day. He's, he's uh, universally loved. and Yeah, uh, he's the greatest. You couldn't be going uh, in more loving hands. But, so, you know, th- there's tons of press that you have to do. And mm-hmm. I'll give you... Uh, and, and I don't even think my wife Ashna knows this story, if I've ever told it. Um, I want you to know... Before you step off that plane, Malcolm Turnbull. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? No. He's the Prime Minister of Australia. Right now? Yes. And right you, now? You need to know that when you get off the plane. 
because they yes, said, of course you do. Well, and no, 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 no. So let me tell you. So do I, they ask you when you get off the well, plane? Well, so to check get this customs? out. So let me. So here's the story. So um, this is what happened to me, and I'm telling you, I loved Australia, and I had a great time. Uh, it was my first time in Australia. I loved the Melbourne Festival. So. The festival, they said, uh, there's some television people, they want to do a uh, little mini documentary on a comedian, your experience at the Melbourne Festival. Would you mind if they interviewed you when you get off the plane? So I had just arrived, and I had been living in New York City and partying really hard, and you know where I was in the year 2000, I had just moved to Amsterdam. So um, I was thrilled to go over, and uh, I got off the plane, and here's this little television crew, and the first thing they ask me is, who is the Prime Minister of Australia? Oh. And I had no fucking idea. So I looked like a moron, and then they followed me around, and they, they would pop up throughout the month, and then they filmed a set that I did, and the... The woman who was the director of it, I saw it when it aired because I, I thought mm-hmm. they were they were I thought they were nice people that had filmed it, and you know they're popping up and you know uh, all right. throughout the month, and then like whatever it was week three or whatever I oh wow that I, I watched it and uh, it was terrible they had filmed one of my sets, and they only used jokes bombing. Well, they had an agenda. They, they had an make, agenda, yeah. and the director girl, woman, I saw her later after it, and she said, I'm sorry, it was a hatchet job that they had, they, they had you know. But, I mean, it, it, you would serve yourself well to know a few things about Australia. Here's a, I want to recommend a book for you to read. This is. I saw I mean, that book, Fatal is, Shore, is, on Amazon, and is, I wondered if it was any good. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's The Fatal Shore by Robert Hughes, and it's about the epic founding of Australia. And it is phenomenal. And so some little chumpy uh, television crew is not... You would know more about Australia than... Let me take a picture of yeah, that so I can, it's phenomenal. can order it and get it on my Kindle. There's no way I would even borrow this thing because it's so huge. I don't lend books. Thick. That's why I have so many. I don't ask people to lend books, <laughs> Tom. I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm the kind of a guy who comes over to see what kind of books you have. I like it. And then goes and buys his own books. I need to take your picture in front of that, my wall of books. Yeah, well, let's. We can do that we now. We can do that and speak. At Why the same not? Time. Yeah, I can talk. So, uh, the, the, I absolutely loved it. You know, the the key to having an audience, you do the gala set, and then you do these. That's perfect. You do these. Um, you look beautiful. I feel good. You, uh, the gala, and then you do these short little television spots, and uh, that's what people watch, and that how to they decide. De- that's how they decide who they're going to see. And I had done this, you know, footy is the Australian football. But it's not soccer. It's their... No, no, no. It's, it's a, Australian rules football. And it's, so it's, it's not soccer. It's, <clears throat> a, it's a different thing. No, it's Australian rules football. You keep saying no, but what you mean is yes. It is, it is the thing that I said. No, it's not soccer. Yeah. <laughs> it is Australian rules football. Got it. Okay, and now I'm on the same page. I get it. It's this massive circular field and the best field in Australia is the MCG, it's the Melbourne Cricket Grounds. Um, but it's where they do the... Uh, so I did this 
this joke on on Australian rules football, and I got invited on to the footy show, which is like NFL Today, like on Sunday mornings. Oh, my God. So you're over your head instantly. No, you... no, 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 no. It was great. And they go, we have a guest commentator from the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I'm at the desk, and I got to do my little, uh, my, my, my little joke. And it was great. And I actually had some... So this guy, Lou Richards, was like one of their oldest most beloved players and he was one of the one of the guys on the show and he actually gave me um an official ball i still have it from australian rules football and then and is it how is it different from a rugby ball it's similar to a rugby ball it's kind of a cross between a rugby ball and american football but the thing is you they you know it's got two pointed ends yeah but while they're running they bounce it like a basketball. And I'm telling really? you, it's impossible. It is impossible. To do it on the run, to be bouncing a pointed ball, is it's like one of the coolest things in the world. So they can kick it from way out and get it into the... the and I'm not like a sports guy, but I like really got into it. And so the Melbourne team is called the Melbourne Demons. So St. Kilda is where the beach is at Mel- in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And so you got the Saints... So these these demon players had come to my show, and and uh, literally demon they play for the demon team. Yeah, so not, they're not drunk so, maniacs. So they came to my show because I, I had done this joke and I did the footy show, and so they set me up three weeks in a row. I got free tickets at the MCG to see the the, the Melbourne Demons play, and so they were playing the St Kilda Saints, and apparently I was the only one who was aware of the good versus evil aspect of the demons versus the saints. That didn't so, occur to anyone else? Well, because I'm in this like posh owner's box kind of mm-hmm. area where they had like a lunch uh, at halftime. It was all rich people where, where I was because the players set me up. Um, so every time the de- demons would score, I would jump up and make the devil sign with my fingers and go, evil! <laughs> and uh, nice. nobody thought that was funny but me. <laughs> somebody did. I know somebody must have. Uh, there was one of the. There was a. I went to see a. ACDC, a Dutch ACDC cover band in St. Kilda. St. Kilda is really the cool, one of the coolest parts of town. How far away is that from from the part where the probably like is? from here to where you live in Santa Monica. Oh, so yeah, yeah, so you can easily far at all. bust over there for the No, day. and there's this wonderful train that goes through Melbourne, and there's a, a dining car on it. I only saw it while I was there. I would love to go back and do this. I've been back to M- Melbourne only to do television shows. I've done Australia a lot since then and been flown to Melbourne to do, because that's where like all the, the comedy channels based, uh, Rove Live was there tonight he's show. He's here now. He's here now. But when I, I when I, I did it when he was there and a few other television shows. Um but so I So you've been back to Australia to perform you many just times. You just, just not to do the festival. festival. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that may have to do with our vintage uh, you know, I feel like the when I'm looking at some of the other Americans who were there, Rich Hall is there of course, but he's sort of a festival international icon guy yeah as americans go um and then the the comics that they have over there this year for the festival are some of the kind of la scene bunch you know like who 
Uh, I think Eddie Pepitone is going. You know, he's he's not younger than us, but he's part he's part of that. Uh, you know, the kind of I don't know. You don't call well, it he alternative did comedy, the last but, two years, but it's kind of an underground. I'm sorry, Edinburgh. He's mm-hmm. uh, I saw him yeah. in Edinburgh. He's making a big pitch, and and I saw who else? Jen Kirkman is going to be over there. Cool. Um, so. And I don't really know her that well, so I'm looking forward to meeting her. But I love seeing the the acts that you don't get to see over here, you know, because they never come over here who are, you know, stars. There's some brilliant uh, Australian comedians. Um, Tom, what's that guy's? We did New, New Zealand with him. Oh, with a teacup. Yeah, yeah, t- a, a tempest in a teacup. He did these. If you ever, if you if you if you got a minute on YouTube, check out these tempest in a teacup. Videos he did for um, this Australian late night talk show. Tom Connor? No. What's his? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I had him on. I did the the New Zealand comedy festival with him, and he's he's really funny. I love him. Steve Hughes is one of my favorite comedians, but he's um, he's having some health issues. He's kind of dropped out of the scene. That's it. Tom Gleason. Tom Gleason. Tom Gleason. I'll check him yeah. out if he's if, if he's, he, in if, it. He, if he's playing. Well, and I've, then and Greg Fleet is also a brilliant. Um, I've heard people talking about him on on other podcasts. I listen to you know Will Anderson's podcasts and to yeah. talk about him, Greg Fleet. And I've watched some of his stuff online. So we'll see. Hopefully, I'll get to check that out. So I went to see this. Um, they were from Holland, and it was it was they were an ACDC cover band, but they only did the Bon Scott uh, era. And I, I was wearing a suit, and I went, and so it was all these, like, kind of, you know, um, bogan is the Australian word for white trash. So yeah. it was this kind of tough bogan audience. And I was wearing a suit, and I was right in front. So, and everybody's, like, kind of um, body Just slamming. to the guy with the suit. Yeah, and everybody wanted to, like, get an elbow in on me and, like, splash beer on me. But I was having the time of my life, and I didn't care. And I totally, like, the suit got ruined and ripped. But, like, I was partying so hard when I was in uh, Melbourne for that festival. There was a picture of me in the local newspaper uh, for an interview. And, honestly, I didn't recognize myself. I was like, wow, dude. So you got the Wi-Fi bar, which is... Are are you doing your show in the town hall? My show, I think, is going to be... Because it's the town hall. It's like the city hall. And for the month of the festival... It's it's taken over. Well, so it's cool. You're like in these. They're in these. You're in these like government um, kind of conference rooms and things. I'm look. I'm just looking up while you're talking. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm no, across to find... the street from the town hall is the Wi-Fi bar, and uh, that's where the after party is every night at the. And they had DJs and like dancing and uh, I, you know I was there until like four or five in the morning every night. It's funny, I stopped drinking and doing drugs to think back on um, what a wild man I was. Actually, I think that's why I didn't get invited back. Well, do you think? I mean, sometimes you get respect for that, but I'm going to be at the Greek Center of Culture, Arts, and Education, I think, in Melbourne. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I'm just looking at someone tweeted me a nice compliment. Gordon Southern, do you know Gordon yeah, Southern? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I met him in... Uh, London last summer, and he he threw out a nice tweet that I have to thank him for. Um, yeah, he's married to um, Freddie, who does a lot of stuff for. I met her at the Melbourne Festival, and she runs stuff at the Edinburgh Festival. She does a lot of 
festivals. Well, I was going to ask you about to actually the, the drinking aspect, because like I said, my international experience, you go to Kilkenny and it's four days and everybody's sort of is Yeah, and Edinburgh too. It. Edinburgh, one of the reasons I never did Edinburgh is because when I had gone to visit it and check it out, well, well you know, like the thing about Melbourne, I, I did it with so many great people. Uh, Eddie Izzard was there, so I got to hang out with Eddie and I had met him in London a few years before. Uh, the the Mighty Boosh were mm. there, so I made really good friends with them. Johnny Vegas, this God, a- I English love that comedian. Guy. I love him. So it was so like fun. we really had a tight knit. There was Adam Bloom. Um, I think Adam Fields or Adam Hills was there. Will Anderson. Uh, just some of the best friends I've made in life were at this festival. So you're really having the time of your life. And then, like the next year, I had gone to or the same year, I had gone to Edinburgh just to check it out. Mm-hmm. And so some of the same guys I saw having the time of their life in Melbourne were completely stressed and uh, not enjoying themselves in Edinburgh because, you know, they're, it's all about selling the tickets and you're constantly having to promote it and everything. Edinburgh uh, seems like it's more shows than there are audience, and I wanted to ask about yeah. that as far as Melbourne. Yeah, and so there's guys drinking to excess and... And doing drugs and stuff. And and I did Edinburgh two years ago. And one of the reasons I decided to do it, I had always wanted to do it, was the fact that I had stopped drinking. I thought, oh, well, you know what? I think I could go there. And, and, uh, and it was the correct move. So you see everybody, it's really powerful not to drink, I have learned. So you How see so? People, I wanted to, yeah, you see people to just like completely wiped out. So that's funny. Like I think about... You know, myself in Melbourne in 2000 and then seeing this picture of myself in the Age newspaper and thinking, oh, dude, really? That's mm-hmm. not you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a lot of times at these comedy festivals, people can get carried away with themselves. Sure. But, you know, it is like... Well, and you can make it hard on yourself. It's hard to do your show the next night if you've gone out yeah. and been a maniac the night before. It's kind of like... A tennis tournament, you know, you got to show up with your best. Right, you right. Know? Do you feel like your show suffered when you were down in Melbourne? Or, I mean, how, how, well, no, how did back you like then, the crowd? No, back then, that was part of my identity, you know. I was just, you know. Mr. Be a little bit of a wild man Be on a stage. a wild man. Yeah. yeah. And how but many... every wild man, uh, every warrior must one day move on to wise man. <laughs> or dead man. Or dead man. Yeah. Yeah. How, were you there? Did you do the full run of the, the whole festival? Month, yeah, yeah. That's I what remember. I'm do too. I remember yeah. being upset and almost crying when it was time to leave. I loved Australia. I thought the the people were magnificent. Yeah, and and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do fine. You're gonna fit in because Melbourne is like the San Francisco. Well, it's hard to make that comparison now because San Francisco's changed. Yeah, well, San Francisco from, isn't San Francisco. The San anymore. Francisco of our but, day, where it was yeah. alternative. So Melbourne is, you know, the, the is intellectual. There's avant-garde art. There's just there's just there's just cool, uh, intelligent thinkers there. And how how big of a room were you doing when you were down there? I think it was like one fifty. Yeah, that's about what yeah. the size that I'm in. And what what was your attendance like? Did you would you? It wasn't a, bad because I killed on all the, the TV shows, and. Um, you know it's funny, and 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 then and I got I got I got good reviews. I remember the Age said a really nice thing. Uh, what was that woman's name? Fiona something. 
Um, you're going to meet a lot of women named Fiona. That's a very popular name in Australia. Uh-huh. Uh, that this woman, she described the Americans as exotic creatures. That, that, that we were exotic. I mean, that was how nice. How yeah. nice, because that's how I feel like that's how Americans treat people from other countries. I mean, Irish, British, Australian. My wife's a Kiwi. You know, they hear your accents and they just think, oh, you're they're exotic to us here in America. Yeah. And I wondered if that is that just because America's so big and we don't interact with people from other countries that much, or is it because, uh, or is it because they really are interested? Well, we, I think we, as we they, really they primarily they get a lot of you know English acts, you know, and so maybe uh, they'll they'll just get a, a few Americans. But I don't know. I mean, I haven't been there in sixteen years for the festival. But um, maybe I'll have to give you a debrief when I get back. I'll come on your yeah. podcast and talk about what happened. That's a brilliant idea. Um, but you know, what's funny is um, when I left the festival. The they, they they give you this like the the publicity people from the festival um, gave me this like pack and it was like it was all the xeroxed copies of all the reviews and so I'm flying back from Australia and I'm like oh man I'm in my first class seat and I think oh wow this shit this is gonna be great is this and, the first time you've read some of them then right you yeah haven't read all of them yeah, yeah yeah but I mean I read the big ones like sure. the, the newspapers and stuff and. Um, they were all good reviews, except for one. Mm. And I was, mm. I was mm. flying back then. That guy. And it was uh, it was a woman, and it was um, it was like one of the like free rock weekly things. And I remember this person sitting in the front table at the show. And just sitting there and writing furiously during the show. And I knew it was a, review, a reviewer, because they tell you when the reviewers are in. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, well, that's odd. She's not even really, like, making eye contact with me. Because I always make eye contact with the audience, you know. And, um, and she was, I, I thought, well, that's odd. And I didn't comment on it. And that was the person who, um, who said some... some it was like... It was like when he started at the comedy store in the 70s, like, I didn't, I was fucking, you know, five years old in the 70s. Yeah. You know? Well, I feel like sometimes, I, I feel like, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about my experience in London because it was a great positive experience, but I definitely feel like there was a little bit of a hump at the beginning that you have to get over of, yeah, I'm an American, but I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm not that guy that you think I am, and I feel like with with audience members and and, and with reviewers because I got reviewed over there a little bit. Sometimes they think like, "Who? This is the guy. Why did you think that you should come over? You know, this isn't a groundbreaking guy who's doing the next new thing." We've heard people speak English, and we've heard people talk about their relationships. It's like, look, I didn't say I was the next. Thing I said, I yeah. can provide you with an hour of a good time. Well, Americans you... are held to a higher standard, and they because they want to see. You know, I mean, it's it, it's not our fault. It's every American they've ever seen. I mean, I remember in in two thousand they were about to have the Sydney Olympics, uh-huh. and I was saying at the Melbourne Festival, I apologize now for what you're going to see because like 
Uh, no American has ever won anything without fist pumping and sticking their number one fingers in the air. And it's just that arrogance of, mm. of American things. And then I remember at that Sydney 2000 Olympics, um, it was like this, the, the track relay team won gold and they got on the top thing and they were like flexing their muscles like they were badasses mm-hmm. and everyone started whistling. And these American athletes thought they were encouraging them, so they did it more. But in Australia, whistles are a boo. That's some, that is some inside knowledge that I can use. Yeah. So if they start whistling, I start crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not flexing. Yeah. Although maybe but, it's you better. Know, like, maybe you it's talk about the American than... thing. You know, I was living in in Europe. Uh, during the Bush years, and, and 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 London was my bread and butter. You know, London was the key to the world for me, and you get that. And it's like that you're talking about that hump where you're being judged for. Which I, you know, I I find it like it's like kung fu. You use people's negative energy effortlessly against them. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but but it's like you know, I lived in San Francisco for years. I, I'm the left wing, open minded. Uh, person of my family. My family are all right-wing, hardcore Christian Republicans. Hmm. They call me Kami, Tommy the Commie. And like, you know... That's a good t-shirt. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, it, it is... It, I, I, I think it's... You have to be amused by it. But like when, when you're being judged for being like an American idiot, like, like, oh, like you're some, you know... Bush supporter Republican, like why would you even travel if you were that person? Well, the it, fact that you're there should show that you're not the uh, average American who doesn't travel and yeah only votes for um, white power structure. Well, I've heard you talk about that your awful experience in Edinburgh at that late night show, you know, where people are screaming, yeah, being mean to you. Uh, that was about, that was that was in two thousand. About also. go back to America stuff and yeah and. I could just listening to you talk now and thinking about that and thinking about myself over there. And it's like, look, I'm happy to explain my take on what's going on here because I'm as much of an outsider, maybe not as much, but almost as much of an outsider as somebody who lives in Australia. I mean, I do get to vote and I do get to have an opinion over here, but I'm watching a show unfold that I don't feel like the momentum is what I want it to be. Um, but, but it's a little bit like, I remember when I started in San Francisco doing stand-up in the 80s, and I was dressed a little different, and I had a kind of a kooky haircut, and uh, got people in the audience would... You no know, one did collegiate lesbian better than you, Jim. Yeah. Wouldn't, I like to think it was more of a, a androgynous uh, Buddy Holly. Um, <laughs> But uh, the thing is, people—you'd go to do these shows, and people would call you a fag. Yeah, and it's a weird thing. It was it, that was a weird thing to be called because it's like, hey, look. For number one, I'm I'm not gay, so so you're wrong about what you're calling me. But number two, what if I was a fag? Yeah. What's wrong with being a fag? Yeah. And then in San Francisco, I mean, yeah. It's... Well, this was in the East Bay, which is very different than San Francisco yeah. at that day. But but that's like the whole American thing. It's like. Yeah, I'm a, I, I am, I am a, I am an American, but I'm not that American that you think I am. But what America, would it matter? America yeah. isn't a terrible, terrible place. If until recently, people were trying to sneak in, risking their lives to get in here. Yeah, I well, know now that's Greece. But well, you know, 
I started out on the southern circuits. Mm. And, you know, I, I started to grow my hair long. Because in the... In the late 80s, every comedian wanted to be Jerry Seinfeld. So it was all these, like, really cookie-cutter, clean-cut, you know, uh, serial observation comedians. So, like, I didn't want to be that guy. So, like, I, I started to grow my hair long because um, I was really into Native Americans and Jim Morrison and all this shit. And I was called a faggot more times than... So, So like, so it's funny. So, like... Cause but, you, if, but from that throwback Vietnam kind of place, that's that's where the guys in the South were coming from, kind of with you. That's it was like it was like two years before, a few years before that, I did Viva Vietnam. Well, no, yeah, not more than like two or three, three or four. Um, so yeah, so it's funny because you had mentioned that Edinburgh experience. So I, I guess really at every level as a comedian, you just got to be ready for the barrage of shit. Australia, you're not going to have that problem. But like, so when I started out in the South. You know, I was heckled by every, you know, southern ignorant goon. Mm -hmm. And then um, that Edinburgh experience that you're talking about in 2000, where I went there for it was only I did a guest set at Leighton Live because um, Rich Hall asked me to cover for him. Yeah, that was was a funny part of that story. It was this all American store uh, show. And, and he and, saw it going and bad. It, it turns into this anti-American rally. This is 2000, August, so before September 11th, when everyone was shoulder to shoulder. So when I went back in 2014, when I did the entire run uh, at the Gilded Balloon, and I had a great festival and didn't get any um, bad reviews. They were all. It was a wonderful experience, but like I had to kill that demon that was in my mind. Yeah, yeah. So I did late in live like five times, and it's still just as rough, and it's still it's people go there to heckle, and I stood there in it, and I was like, "Fuck you, I ain't going nowhere." And what do you got? And I stood there and just it was it was that was one of the, some of the most fun I've ever had. So kind of a, a mixture of uh, arrogant defiance with uh, terrified um, temperament. <laughs> But also sobriety. And sobriety. So, so, yeah, I think that was another thing. The fact that I'm sober now. You, you, they're that I can they're stand fighting it. you with one hand behind their back. Right. Right. They're all... They're, they're all drunk. Yeah. Out of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times have they not drinking a is show? one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, too, because I've heard you talk to, that, talk to a few people about that. And I always describe myself as, a per, as one of the few comedians who's still allowed to have drinks, you know. But... Well, because you never, you know, well, it, saw a photo of yourself in the Melbourne age. <laughs> well, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't had that. that you've, had, what, you've always been... You what know. they like to call the rock bottom. I haven't had the rock bottom thing. Yeah. But I've had, I've had my share of nights where I woke up and felt like, oh, my God, I wish I would have done half of that. Yeah. You know, I've had that happen. But uh, I wanted to, to, to hear you talk a little bit about that because... You know, for myself and for also a lot of other comics out there who are kind of living that lifestyle and don't feel like, you know, they're really in trouble or anything. I don't think there's too many guys left like that. The the, the age of the partying comedian is past. I think all these these young comedians are, you know, they're they're there drinking, um, you know, kale smoothies and shit at the show. Do you see that after shows? Because that's well, no. Now I mean, you don't see people. 
rarely some you know some young guys would be knocking them down but I think on a whole that that era of the partying comedian is way past yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really talking about that I was more talking about the guys who were who were having three or four drinks and they're always having three or four drinks and and they don't know what it would be like to be what's it like to be you hanging out with guys who are they're not like you said, the guys who you're seeing now when you're out at clubs and you're sober are not the guys that you would have been seeing in the 80s or 90s. Yeah. But what's it like as a sober guy hanging out with these guys who've had three, four drinks? And, and when do you decide to go home just because it's like you guys have gone to another place and I'm not? I still like to hang out. I, hanging out with comedians and laughing all night is, is it's the best, my favorite right? thing on the planet Earth. Um but you know, you'll, I'll see some young comedians who like look up to me, or and they're trying to talk to me, and then they've you know had a few too many drinks, and they're just I'm patient with them, I'm kind, I'm a nice person, but you just know, and you you know, and you, and like, I'm so sorry, I've had too much to drink or whatever. It's just it's kind of like uh, uh, just a missed opportunity sometimes for people, like yeah. Um, like me now, looking back on that Melbourne festival, I I, I wish I hadn't partied so hard, you know. But I was I, but I, all the comedians were everybody was everybody was partying. You're having a good time. I was having the time of my there. life. Yeah, you know? and and I doubt that they judged you badly because of that. Because also you were barely forty, if that even then, right? Forty. Well, do you think I am now? How old were, How old are you now? I'm forty nine. I just turned forty nine. So sixteen years ago, what I was thirty three. Is that right? Is that right? 30, 33 plus 20 would again. be 43. No. I'm 49. That would be 53. Yeah, so you were no, no. young. You were a young man. You were in your early 30s? 33, I said. I forget. See, I can't keep yeah. track of how old I am when because I feel like I'm the same. I feel like, you, you know. made me I, think I uh, failed a math test. No, I'm the one who failed the math test. <laughs> Scoreboard, you won at math. I'm not drinking. I'm only drinking coffee, but you won the math portion of the podcast. But it is powerful not drinking, man. And then, like, in Edinburgh, you know, like, guys I, I love, you just see them. You know, uh, English comedians just just wiped out night after night, and and just beating themselves up. And then you know they're the the, the show the next day they're they're sluggish. And you know, uh, I have to give Ashna a lot of credit. I mean, the fact of having who's uh, your wife, my wife, having a, having a great partner in your life makes a huge difference. The fact that, like, I, I love being married. A lot of comedians talk about how much they hate marriage. I love being married. I love being a team. And then so we paid extra money so we could have a really nice apartment in Edinburgh. And so we stayed away from the festival in this kind of swanky uh, area. What was the Woodbridge? Is that what it was called? Anyway, so she's, like, cooking up these fantastic meals so when you and finish your show, you could either go out and hang with everybody or no, you could we, go we back did hang. to the suburbs. We did hang, but like every day I'm eating like fruits and vegetables and a, and a wonderful meal. And then we would walk into the city and it rained 26 out of the 30 days we were in Edinburgh. <laughs> but it was great. But they get so it. They you know, get we got umbrellas. You know, I, 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 I like expensive umbrellas and expensive clothes. And it was just, it was great. So we'd walk this like... 45 minute walk home every night and talk about you know my set and the comedians we hung yeah. out with and 
I want to see your favorite umbrella after the show because I'm looking for a good umbrella. Oh my god! Uh, we don't have where, to. Where the, it's in the closet? I'll show you. It's from uh, I bought it in Shanghai. It's called Shanghai Tang. Oh, that's uh, that's their really big. That's expensive. like Barney's of Shanghai. The crazy expensive clothes, but uh, their, their umbrellas are affordable. Yeah, I did a I did a thing. It was I can't remember. Whoopi Goldberg was associated with it, so she was the gift basket. Was she real person? Hmm. This thing that I did, and, yeah. and they sent out a gift basket from Shanghai Tang. So I bought this in Shanghai. Ashna just went and grabbed it, and I had this the whole month I was in in Melbourne. I'm sorry, Edinburgh. Oh, it's a beauty. So it's black. It's got red trim, and then on the inside, uh, when you open it, so nice to see that leather handle. And it's handle. got the nice leather handle and the hook. I like the hook better than the straight because you got can go over your hook. arm. Yeah, you got your well, hands. It's a nice free. walking stick. Right. Uh, I had that with me everywhere I went in Edinburgh. And so on the inside, when you open it up, are uh, two red dragons. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I try getting an umbrella with two red dragons here in America. 100 bucks. Mm. Not cheap. The cheapest thing they sell at Shanghai Tang. Yeah. I got my eye out for a good umbrella. Thanks, baby. But, um... What time were your show times when you were in Edinburgh? Because I feel like that makes a difference. It does make a big difference. I'm doing um, 7.15 shows in Melbourne. That's perfect. It's yeah, kind then of a you'll great be able time. To, then you'll be able to see um, guys doing like 9.30 shows. Yeah. Right. My show was, uh, I think, 9.15 in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the great thing about doing a festival like that in Melbourne is to get to see everybody else. That's what see I love, what, too. See what people... It's really inspiring. It's almost like um, comedy summer camp. I think it's, it, it enriches you in every way as a performer to not only hang out with guys you respect, but to go see their shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, because we don't get to see other headline shows here uh, in America. You get to see, like... <clears throat> yeah. I met you because you were on, the, starting the, out coming up in the show. The Mighty then. Boosh, I did Melbourne with them. And then about... A year or two later, they became massive in England, and I went to see them because they were like the best friends that I made during the Melbourne Festival, and they were just doing the most inventive, surrealistic, Salvador Dali plays. Well, that's what Adam... Was awesome. Adam was telling me last... He was, I, I Skyped in with him to do last week's episode of my podcast, and cool. he was talking about how in, in Australia... You know, there's not enough population in cities to be able to make a, a great living as a comedian. So, yeah. so a lot of these people have other things, and they're, it's really their passion. Their performance is their passion. And so he says, you get to see some pretty inventive stuff that people have created just for this festival. And, so, and it sounds like that's what it was. And then it, and then it gets this bigger audience, and they go international. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, who's What's the... Um Hannah Gadsby. Hopefully, she's she's one of my favorite Australian comedians. Hannah's just wonderful, great person. Well, I'm going to check. I'm going to go online and check out the 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 listings. Tom Gleason, check out those those Tempest in a Teacup uh, videos. Yeah, are yeah. really great. I yeah, will do that. And he's a great guy. He's you know, and great work ethic too. He kind of reminds me of Jimmy Carr. I'm old friends with Jimmy as well. Yeah, I know um, Jimmy. Just the 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 way he's so focused on his. His act and and, and 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 he doesn't. A lot of Australian comedians, you know, they got to move to London, you know, because it is the a, a limited scene. Now there's a lot of comedy scenes all over Asia, so I think it is better for an Australian comedian. But like, 
the, the progression has been where they get to a certain level in Australia, they move to London. And Tom Gleason didn't do that. He, he just focused on, on Australia. Huh. Well, there's guys like uh, Tommy Tiernan, I think, was coming over here from Ireland. From he was, Ireland, He was yeah. going to come to the States. And then, but now he's focused on, he just toured. He, I mean, he does a lot. Of, he's doing a, a, a show down in uh, Melbourne, which I'm going to see if I can. Oh, great. He's one of and my Tommy's he's brilliant. And he's a great guy, too. He's um, one of my I, favorites. But he Tommy's, tours. He's an old friend of mine, too. And um, I had him on my podcast two years ago. And he started to play places in Ireland. He tours these small towns like, in Ireland. He's playing yeah. like bingo halls. Yeah, no, like that's what he was telling me about it. And stuff. He does these homemade tours of these small places where he turns over his act and they're happy to see him the next time. Yeah. And he's just a, it's like in a tradition of Irish storyteller, traveling guy shows up and tells you his tales for the night. Yeah. You know? He's funny too because I, I knew him and hung him out with him in, in Galway years ago. And then he did this. BBC stand-up show, and he he requested me and got me on it. Um, so it was this huge, beautiful favor, and 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 he, he we we've been friends for a long time. I saw him a couple years ago, and so he had been a big party guy too. And then he cleaned up for like ten years, like 10, 10, 15 years. So I saw him like two years ago, and I was asking him about it, and he goes, uh, he goes, no. Um, my wife and I were on vacation, and she said, you're being a cunt, and if you don't have a drink, I'm going to leave you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember that he was so sober for a while. Uh, now he's having uh, a beverage. He has a drink every now and then. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have to when you're a cunt. <laughs> when you're a cunt and you know it, have a drink. And not in the, that's not, I hope that's not a sexist. They say that word all no, the time say, over yeah. there in Britain. Yeah. Not usually in reference to a dude. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's our favorite word. So can you think of any other parting wisdom for this Melbourne trip? And then I have one other thing I want to ask you about. Um, you're going to have a couple days off. And I highly recommend going down the Great Ocean Road. Uh, I'm, I, I love driving. And there's certain drives in the world that, that you know, they're... That are considered the best drives in the world, and one of the best drives in the world is the Great Ocean Road, and um, the entire length of it. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I remember I did on my day off. I I, I, w- I went down the Great Ocean Road. And is it from Melbourne back up towards Sydney that way, or the other no, way around? No, no, towards... no, no, no. It goes down along the coast, and it's like surfer heaven. And it's just, uh, what's the, um, you go through this town where the Ford automobile plant is. Greg Fleet lived there as a kid. Uh, damn it, I'm forgetting the name of it. Did you, did you see any uh, animals, any of the Australian animals? While you, you see there? kangaroos, yeah. Uh-huh. It's great. I went to a nature preserve to see the koalas and, and kangaroos. Uh, and the, 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 it's, it's kind of okay. You know, but it's better to to go on a on a big drive on and, your own. And what about the cultural? It, it's interesting for me going to New Zealand with my wife because they have you know their First Nations people, the Maori people in New Zealand. And it's hard as an American to understand. You know, you want to kind of draw an analogy to something you're used to, which here is we've got African Americans and the s- slaves. 
slavery, and then we've got uh, Native Americans, Indians, and, and with the Maori, it's kind of a combination, it seems well, to me. Well, that's the is difference it, between New Zealand and Australia, is that they uh, embraced the, the Native peoples, and it's part of the, the, the in New Australia, Zealand... In Australia, you're saying? No, New Zealand, it's, yeah. it's part of their identity. Whereas absolutely, in absolutely. Australia, um, I was surprised. I had wanted to see more um, Aboriginal people. There was one female Aboriginal comedian that was at the Melbourne Festival when I was there, uh, and that was it. And then, like, Australia and, and Sydney, see a few of them. Uh, but y- y- but it's y- a very separate kind of culture. Is yeah, and saying. they're really in the north, like up in Darwin and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I really had wanted to see more. I'm, I, I've, I'm curious about that. As, as I'm curious about the Maori culture when we go to New Zealand and, and, and there is a there is a kind of embrace of the Maori culture by the Pakiha, the white people in New Zealand, but it's still kind of separate. Like you don't go to a party and oh it's half Yeah, that that was half. that was that was surprising when I first went there. Yeah. Um but uh you you've seen my knowledge nugget videos that I've been making. Yes. Yeah. So uh one of them was on uh, kangaroo. You know where the the name kangaroo comes from? No. When the white uh, and I think I got it from the Fatal Shore. When uh, when the white English people came to Australia, they saw the kangaroos bouncing around, and they were, they they asked the Aboriginal people, "What do you call that? What do you call that?" And they said the the Aboriginal said kangaroo, kangaroo. Which in the Aboriginal language means, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? So yeah. kangaroo means, what, what are, are you, you saying? saying? I love that. It's great. It's misunderstanding. Have a meat pie. Meat pies are incredible. Well, next time you come to my side of town, mm-hmm. you got to go to the Aussie meat pie place in Santa Monica. It's real Australian people who've collaborated with the chef who said oh these because they have the meat pies in New Zealand like New Zealand and Australia have all these feuds about what's who created the meat pie like meat pies they both claim that that's their thing and yeah the pavlo, it's funny like and Singapore pavlo, and Malaysia have a uh, have this big rivalry of who invented the chili crab and black pepper crab and um I it's it's I'm just glad it exists I don't yeah. ca- I don't care who invented it yeah I'm glad it's available and I love it and that's and, how- and meat pies like when I was at the MCG uh, having a meat pie, I was like, you know, fuck a hot dog. These are no, way better. That was the funny thing when we were in New Zealand one time and we're driving down the road and there's a sign for the their version of like a 7-Eleven, a gas station convenience store advertisement where the food, the picture of the food was a big meat pie and underneath it said, you know you want it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really cool car in Australia and the emblem is a lion. I think it's the Holden. That's it. It's a Holden. And I don't know why they were never um, exported to the world because they're really beautiful cars. I, I love Holdens. Well, that's the other funny thing to me about going to New Zealand is there's Fords that, like, they still make an El Camino. Ford still makes a thing that looks like an El Camino that yep. they sell internationally, but you can't get here. In Argentina, the Ford Falcon is everywhere. And they stopped selling those in the 70s here. Yeah. That's yeah. like the car in, in Argentina. So, my, so, so to wrap up this episode, I want to ask you, because we're sitting here in your place in front of your front of my wall of, of books. books. Like you didn't have a home for so many years, but all these books were gravitationally pulling you back to Los Angeles. So I was looking at Periscope 
the day when you guys were moving in and it was like we got our apartment. I was curious because you and I had been out. We'd all four with our wives been out to dinner. And, you, and so you're moving in. You got your books. And so you pull out this book and you started talking about it. It's one of your favorite books. And I wrote it down. Okay. And I've downloaded it. I've got the audio book of it. Do you know what book I'm going to say? It has to do with Australia. It's one of your favorite books. Fiction. Oh, my God. Shantaram. That's right. Oh, my God. Jesus right. Christ. Um, you know, Forever on the Road by Jack Kerouac was my favorite book because it changed my life. It was what made me want to move to San Francisco when I was young. And then also, I think stand-up comedy began in San Francisco with Mark Twain. Uh, I think he was the first stand-up comedian. I saw that knowledge. And, and that's why I've always called San Francisco the Jerusalem of stand-up comedy. But um, Shantaram knocked Kerouac off my number one. When I read that, uh, it's like a thousand pages. And, the, and it starts in Melbourne. The guy, right. he's, you know, he had studied to be a writer, uh, like English literature, it's college, and then he becomes a heroin addict and he gets thrown in jail and in prison in Melbourne. And then he escapes and he gets to India. And it is, there's, there's like five books within that book. And it's, you know, that could have been, like, that guy Stieg Larsson yeah, from yeah, the, uh, My Struggle, the uh, the, the Swedish writer. Oh, and, I don't know if that's Stieg Larsson. I think no, Stieg no, no, Larsson you're right. is that, the other that, terrible the dragon tattoo. And all yeah, that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I know the ones you're talking about. My, my, my Struggle story, They're supposed to just be, yeah. Yeah, and it's about his, his life as a suburban dad. It's and and mundane it's, and kind of And it's his diaries. And they it's supposed cut, to be good. But, yeah. yeah. But Chanteram they, is, they cut it up into four books. Shantaram, a thousand pages, is 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 probably one of the single greatest works in uh, English literature ever. And it's not a memoir, but it is semi. It's about experiences, is, kind of that the author it's, had it's, had it's versions an, of. It's an embellished memoir. It's the guy's life. So anyway, you turned me on to it. I can't wait to read it. That's I want to have. I want to once I've read it, come back and talk to you. About you haven't it. read it yet. No, I downloaded it as an audio book to listen to on this trip can because I it's read, a million years. Can long. I read to you the first? Uh, paragraph? Where's do we do we have time? It's yeah, on. we have time. So you can unclip and come back and clip. Just be careful setting that down that it doesn't bang too loud. Sorry, listener person. Yeah, so I'm excited about uh, Shantaram, and it's funny because like a lot of things, I saw you recommending this book, and it was such a power. You know, obviously respect. You're my friend, and I think you're cool. And you went on about this book in the sen- in the in the way that someone who you think is awesome, this is their favorite thing. And then since you've told me about it, it's come up in my life, you know, that synchronicity thing, like another guy, a parent at my kid's school who's into surfing, and he's t- talking about this book and how great it is. Um, he, he, he just came out with another book. I think it was like 10 or 15 years since this came out. And then I heard like five years ago that like Johnny Depp bought the rights to this to make a movie out of it, but uh, I've never... He should... Someone should make a... a, a well... Seeing it on the table, that's like a Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's not one movie. That's uh, how many movies, you know, favorite, or a miniseries. My favorite American writer is John Steinbeck. And uh, East of Eden, mm-hmm. the, the James Dean movie, is only the first 150 pages. And that's like a 500-page book. So I, I reread East of Eden about five years ago and I thought when the movie East of Eden came out which is considered a classic with James Dean people must have been like oh these fucking idiots only covered the first 
So, like, you're right. With Shantaram, <clears throat> you could never um, do the whole thing. Okay, so this is, this is the opening paragraph. You ready for this? Yeah. It took me a long time in most of the world to learn what I know about love and fate and the choices we make. But the heart of it came to me in an instant while I was chained to a wall and being tortured. I realized somehow through the screaming in my mind that even the shackled, bloody helplessness, I was still free. Free to hate the men who were torturing me or to forgive them. It doesn't sound like much, I know. But in the flinch and the bite of the chain, when it's all you've got, that freedom is a universe of possibility. And the choice you make between hating and forgiving can become the story of your life. That's the fucking opening paragraph. Powerful. Boom. Yeah. Well, that's where this book starts. <laughs> <laughs> that's you it's getting... incredible. That's getting on the bus. I want to ride a motorcycle in, in Goa looking for uh, the love of my... To find my to be reunited with my wife, uh, it's a scene in the book. Anyway, it seems like a fantasy, like a, an elaborate act out that you guys could really do. The guy goes to Afghanistan in the book, and he's we could act that out, Smoochie. Um, the guy goes to Afghanistan in the book, and he's he's fighting with with rebels against Russians. Okay, listen. So the next time I see you, I'm uh-huh. going to have well, maybe not the next time I see you, but. Soon, I'm when you come back from book. Melbourne, we'll, I'll have you on my podcast. We'll talk about your experience, and then I want to hear about what you think about. Well, maybe Shantaram. we'll simulcast. Maybe we'll do. We'll both record it, and then because people, you know. Anyway, okay. if you're up for that, Tom, what a pleasure! I love you. I love you too, man. Uh, you know, you're one of my oldest, dearest friends, and uh, I'm I'm honored to have you in my my new home. Yeah, let's eat. <laughs> right. Oh, are you still recording? Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, you showed up wearing shorts and dingo boots. You're ready for Australia. <laughs> you know, I, I saw... Nobody wears b- boots and shorts, but you and Australian people. I do it because I saw Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, for the first time, and Guy Pierce is rocking that look when he's painting the bus, and I thought it was ridiculous, and I didn't re- I thought, oh, this guy made that up to look that way because they're gay guys riding a bus across Australia. Then I went to New Zealand. I was like, oh, no, that's a real thing that people do. It's, he's not, that's not a gay guy thing. That's what the construction, the, like the road crew is wearing. Yeah. Shorts and the dingo boots. So, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm down. And my favorite uh, pet as a child, we had an Australian shepherd. They're great dogs, but they've got to be outside, right? They're, they're beautiful dogs. Can't, it's not a city dog. I don't know why I feel like I just like, had to share that, that my, just, my favorite pet of all time was an Australian shepherd I just imagine all the people listening are living in some big high rise in a city <laughs> thinking I'm going to get an Australian shepherd you know, this was such a great conversation I felt like I had to warn him it's not a city dog okay thanks Tom thank you brother oh high five we got a high five Aussie 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 oi 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 Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to get the mic on. I did it. Hey, man, I just listened to that while it was feeding itself into the internet. 
And uh, so I just heard what you just heard, as I'm telling you now some other things, although all that happened in the past, really reality-based. But wow, free to hate or free to forgive. Think about it. Think about it. And uh, let's all read Shantaram together, because me and Tom are going to do a book club talk about it. And uh, if you want to check it out and send me some emails, I'll bring them up when I talk to him about it. Man, I am so excited about this trip to Melbourne, especially after listening to that conversation again. And if you're down there, I can't wait to see you at a show. And if you're listening and you're not going to make it to Australia, I hope you'll stay tuned because I'm going to talk to people while I'm down there. They're going to be on the podcast. Man, I'm so grateful to everybody who's listening and all my great friends that I have. And uh, Tom's got me a little choked up with thinking about everything. Don't give up, people. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. And I will talk to you very soon. Say what you're going to